Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I'm your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about brands and the subconscious advantage and how to put your best foot forward when going to market in your business. It's my pleasure to welcome Leslie Zane back to the show. Leslie is a brand expert whose work goes far beyond mere branding. She teaches brands how to grow quickly and substantially through a revolutionary concept that she calls the subconscious advantage. Business leaders have long been taught that to achieve a competitive advantage, your business and your brand needs to be better, cheaper, and faster. But this assumes that brand choice is a rational, conscious decision, and it isn't. Leslie began her journey at blue chip companies and then struck out on her own to found Triggers, the first woman-owned brand consultancy, with the express mission of increasing top-line revenue for her clients consistently. Over the past 25 years, the company has developed a track record of accelerating growth through its unique expertise in changing brand preference at the instinctual level. CMOs often joke that the major difference between their work and those of other strategy firms 100 times their size is that their approach actually works. Leslie received her BA from Yale University and her MBA from Harvard Business School. A TEDx speaker, she has been published in the Harvard Business Review, Knowledge at Wharton, MIT Sloan Review, Forbes, Ad Age, Barron's, Newsweek, Media Post, Scientific American, and much more. It's my privilege to welcome Leslie Zane back to the show. Thank you so much, Christina. It's a pleasure to be here and to continue with you today. Yeah, so we had an amazing conversation learning about your career in the branding space, working with some pretty terrific blue chip companies, what made you decide to head out on your own and start your own business. And we started talking about what your philosophy is on effective marketing and branding strategies. And so I thought I would kick off the second part of our conversation by talking about how you've written for Knowledge at Wharton about something called the Brand Connectome. What is it and why is it important? So the Brand Connectome is our term for the collection of associations that dictates the choices that you make. It comes from the human connectome, which is a huge project that many universities are involved in, in terms of mapping the entire wiring of the human brain. And what we've learned about at Triggers is that you can actually go into that human connect and pull out little of it, analyze them, and look at a particular brands. And really, everything has a brand connectome. You have a brand connectome, Christina. I have a brand connectome, Zane. Triggers has a brand connectome. The president of the United States has a brand connectome. Joe Biden has a brand connectome. Everything mm-hmm. has a brand connectome. And when we study what's inside that brand connectome, the positive and negative associations, that are glued to that brand, it reveals a tremendous amount 
about what is helping to grow the brand, drive the brand, and what are the barriers that are holding back its growth. So it becomes almost really the most important metric or or indicator for the health of a brand. So to give some context to our listeners, can you explain a little bit about some of the things that comprise a brand connectome? Absolutely. So let's think about Apple or, you know, an Apple iPhone as an example. If you look at the Apple brand connectome, you might imagine that there would be the Apple symbol in there and maybe something about iPhones or how iPhones work, maybe even that's, you know, well-designed, it's aesthetically pleasing, it's innovative, it's state-of-the-art. And you would be right that those are associations that are inside the brand connectome of Apple. But what you might not expect to know or to see is that there are also additional associations that relate to Apple, but are beyond the product itself. So Steve Jobs is in the Apple brand connectome and Steve Jobs' black turtlenecks are in Mm -hmm. the connectome and the 15,000 movies that you've seen about his life, they're in there. And if you're somebody who taught your grandparent how to FaceTime uh, when they were in the hospital or during these times uh, of COVID, you know, from where they are isolating, then your grandparents might be in the Apple brand connectome. And so really a, a, a brand connectome goes way beyond the things that the company puts out there. It's really what we associate personally with the brand and it goes far beyond product and innovation and logos and and brand marks. It's everything that the brand touches in your life. And the larger it is, and the more things it touches, the healthier the brand is. That's really fascinating. And again, it's just something that intuitively makes a lot of sense. And I would imagine there's incredible power in harnessing that the name of the article that you wrote was Cracking the Code on Brand Growth. So what did you discover through the process of writing the article? What did you discover is the key to brand growth? So we had discovered this, uh, you know, over the 25 years of, you know, developing uh, brand, you know, strategies for our clients. Our job at Triggers is to help our clients' brands grow. That's, that's what we're in business to do. We are a brand consultancy, but unlike a lot of other brand consultancies, we're not you know, only interested in creating pretty pictures and clever slogans. We feel that any marketing initiative must drive growth. And in having to solve the problems of, that our clients had, getting consumers to move from one brand to another, from a competitive brand to their brand, we had to get really good at figuring out how to do that. And that's really where the brand Connectome comes in. Because it turns out that you have to constantly add positive associations to your brand and make that brand Connectome grow as large as possible so that it maintains the dominant position in the mind relative to your competitors. So, two simple rules. 
that drive the growth of brands. One is that it needs to have more positive than negative associations. And the second is that it needs to have a larger physical footprint in the brain so that it has greater salience. And the key to doing that, cracking the code on brand growth, is that you constantly have to add positive associations as if as if this, this brand connectome is almost like a, a plant that's growing um, from a little sapling, you know, taking root in the brain, adding more branches and, and growing into a full-grown tree. And the nurturing that you have to do as somebody who is the steward of that brand is you have to add positive associations constantly and keep pruning the negative associations as they accumulate. And if you do that, then your brand will continue to grow and thrive. And the moment at which your brand is larger and more robust and more positive, in other words, like the canopy of your tree, of your brand's tree, is larger and overshadows that of your competition, that's the moment that people move from the competitive brand connect home to, to yours. Because you have brand connectomes in your mind and they're kind of battling it out. They're battling it out for dominance. That's a really great explanation. And it's very clear that it's complicated. I mean, it sounds simple and you've done a wonderful job of framing it, but obviously there's a lot of nuance here and it's a very dynamic situation, what a brand looks like in any given week, month, or or year. And so it sounds like you're doing an amazing job helping your your clients figuring all these things out. Um, One of the things that you and I actually discussed was the notion of subconscious advantage. Where does that concept fit into this whole construct? That's That's a great question. So in business school, and I'm sure this is a term that's familiar, you know, to uh, to everybody uh, at this point because it really is a mainstream has become a mainstream idea. Uh, but they teach you the notion of competitive competitive advantage, and it's an idea that Michael Porter birthed back in the I think early '80s or or, or early '90s. Um, he's a professor at, at Harvard Business School. And the idea behind competitive advantage is that there's really only two ways for you to, you know, beat out your competitor, right? One is you can be the low cost supplier or you can be highly differentiated Mm -hmm. and charge a premium for what you sell. So those are the two parts of, of competitive advantage, the two ways to get it. The problem with that is that that notion was created again before the time that we had brain science. And now we understand that perceptions drive everything. And so I have worked with a ton of companies that have differentiated, highly differentiated, they have actual differentiation, but they don't have perceived differentiation. They're not perceived as superior. So it turns out that subconscious advantage is actually more important than competitive advantage. And you could have a parity product and you could have perceived superiority. So there's really not two ways to get to competitive advantage. 
there's really one thing that's most important that whether you're low cost or whether you're highly differentiated, you must have perceived superiority in the subconscious. And that is having the subconscious advantage. Well, I mean, that's really incredibly important. And there's a lot that you just said there that I think is is applicable to lawyers. And we're going to get into this in a little in a, in a little bit. But what you just said actually applies not just to the sale of goods, consumer products, whatever you may be helping your your clients to achieve by way of brand. But I would imagine that a lot of what you just described applies to people who are professionals who are looking for ways, whether they're affiliated with organizations like law firms or whether they're out on their own. There's a lot of what you just said that is very applicable to those folks as well who are trying to differentiate themselves. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, as we all know, perception is reality. And so if you don't have the subconscious advantage, it almost doesn't matter whether your product or your offering or your service is superior or not. Um, what matters is whether you have perceived superiority. And, and I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier that was so important. You said it in, in passing, but it, I would really like to emphasize it. You, you mentioned that I was describing the brand Connectome sounded very dynamic. And it is. And that was such an astute comment because a lot of people think that their brands are stuck where they are. Uh, and, and we almost act as, as sometimes when we are the stewards of brands as, as victims of the situation that we're in. Oh, I'm in, a, I'm in a category that's becoming very commoditized or, oh, there's this disruptor, uh, this small company, this, this upstart that's coming at us and taking a lot of our share. And, you know, we're, we're kind of stuck with the situation that we're in or we're stuck with the baggage that our brand has. And, and what we've learned over 25 years of doing this is that brands are remarkably dynamic and remarkably resilient but you must manage them in order for them to to change their associations. You have to get rid of those negative associations, replace the negative with positive associations constantly. And if you start to do that and and use triggers in order to to do that, then your brand will change. Uh, And it's all because our brains have neuroplasticity and we are constantly changing and constantly learning. We're, We're learning creatures. And so nobody is stuck. No brand is stuck. No business is stuck. It is remarkably dynamic, as you said. And that's a really optimistic message for businesses, for, for brands, for people, uh, particularly at this time. Everything is, is constantly changing and you have the power uh, to make those changes happen. That's terrific advice and something that I think all of us can really sort of take to the bank. Um, We're going to touch on the impacts of COVID in a couple minutes, but that's really great advice for all of us, whether we're working in our capacity as marketing or branding professionals to help our companies drive growth or whether it's really looking at our own you know, personal brand, so to speak, to know that it's dynamic. And it's something that is like a garden. You need to tend to it 
but just know that if you have a bad, you know, season, so to speak, that there's another season that comes along and you, and it is what you make of it. So it's interesting. I mean, I would say that what you just said is a, a, a misperception, if you will, that some companies and brand owners may have that their brands are, are static. Are there any other common misperceptions that you have seen either among brand owners or among consumers that are worth noting for our audience? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you two more. A common misperception is that a brand should only stand for one thing. If a company works with an ad agency or even the the training that a lot of um, marketers receive is that you should write a creative brief for your communications agencies and just put you know one big sentence down there because you know y- your brand really should only stand for one thing if it's volvo it should be safety and it turns out that that is actually a recipe for shrinking your brand connectome down to one branch because if you, if i can get you to kind of visualize what the brand connectome looks like uh, it really needs to be a, a, a tree that's full, that's robust, that's has many branches, and the branches have branches. And the the larger the the span, uh, the wingspan, so to speak, of of those branches and that canopy, the the bigger your brand is going to be in the in the mind, and therefore the bigger it's going to be out in the marketplace. In fact, if you want to grow your brand in the marketplace, you first have to grow your brand in the subconscious. So that is a huge misperception. A brand like Volvo, if it only stands for safety, it's going to be very one-dimensional and it's not going to span enough territory in the mind. It also needs to be high quality and innovative and good for families and, you know, and, and on and on and on. Uh, it actually needs, you know, thousands of associations to be successful. So that's the first misconception. The second misconception is that brands should act emotional, should uh, articulate uh, emotional benefits in their communications, and that that will create emotional connection on the part of the consumer um, or the customer. And that is also a very common misconception. The fact is that emotion is an outcome. It is what the consumer, what you want the consumer to feel, but it is never and never should be what you actually articulate or even, or even show. In other words, you can only have an emotional connection through a cue or a code. There has to be a stimulus. And so the stimulus is what you want to focus on. That can create an emotional response. And as I mentioned earlier, what triggers are, are these codes and cues that are packed with lots of positive associations and people are drawn to them because they know them and because they have meaning. So the snow-capped mountain, as I mentioned earlier, is fresh and cold and pure uh, and pristine associated with freshness and purity and untouched by human hands, all of these positive associations, that's what makes it what we call a a trigger. That 
will in fact have an emotional response and get an emotional connection. But you don't create emotional connection by being sappy or being happy or telling people to love you. You can only create a, an emotional connection through cues and codes that, that people are familiar with and that have a lot of positive meaning. That's fascinating. And it makes a lot of sense. And I wish that we could spend hours talking, especially about other anecdotes and uh, misconceptions and misperceptions that you've encountered. But our time together is going really quickly. And so I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask you something that as a branding lawyer, I find really fascinating. And I find our whole conversation fascinating. But And we've touched on this a little bit um, with some of the comments you made about established brands and needing to you know, look at this almost like a tree with branches. And so there are a lot of similarities sometimes, but also very meaningful differences between new brands that are out in the market versus established brands and what brand owners of established brands need to do to keep their brand relevant. Do you care to comment on what you see with new brands versus established brands and whether there are any interesting parallels that are worth noting? Sure. You know, I, I can talk about the parallels and I can talk about the, the differences. So brands all grow the same way, whether they're you know new brands or established brands, but the difference is where they are in their, their life cycle. A new brand um, is like a, a tiny sapling uh, and it's just a, taking root in the brain. And what you need to do is add new positive associations as rapidly as possible to get that sapling to grow and sprout new branches. An established brand already exists, and it's because it's been out there a long time. It has a lot of accumulated associations. But the the interesting thing is that some people think that a large established brand can't grow as fast as a new brand. And the fact is that we've found that actually an established brand can grow fast and have new waves of growth as long as they get rid of the negative associations that are holding back that growth. And so some people think that there's a built-in life cycle for brands and that a brand has to go from you know youth to uh, maturity and then ultimately decline and, and die. Um, but but we have found that there is actually no such thing as a built-in life cycle for brands, and that it's actually a misconception. It, it turns out that a lot of older brands are weighed down by negative associations that they haven't been pruning, and that's why their their growth has been stunted. But if you get rid of those associations, we we've, we've been able to take an older brand, a legacy brand or an established brand, or even a declining brand and get it to have an, a new wave of, of growth. So I think that's, that's very interesting that, you know, again, brands have tremendous upside potential at, at any stage. An established brand does have an advantage in that it's just larger in the brain. And so obviously what that means for a newer brand uh, is that you want to try to add as many positive associations and connect your brand to other things in the brain, um, almost like 
you're in a, there's a field and you're planting seeds in different parts of the brain and that makes your brand stretch out to touch those things. And, and that's how you can get your brand to, to grow faster uh, at those early stages. Very good advice. And we're going to segue again real quick to something that we've touched upon earlier, which is drawing parallels to um, marketing and branding a product versus marketing and branding ourselves as lawyers. Frankly, we've got a a lot of lawyers in our audience, but we also have people in the C-suite and business professionals and would love to get your thoughts beyond some of the things that we've already touched upon any advice that you may have for people in our audience about how we can take lessons learned from what has been successful in terms of marketing and creating some of the most established brands? What lessons can we take as professionals from what we've seen works with those brands? That's a great question. I mean, I really do think of marketing a person and marketing a, a company or a brand in this same way. Um, they, they are all brands. I would say that for lawyers, the area of branding that I would spend more time on and I would make sure comes out in in terms of a focus would be um, expertise. Expertise is really critical for any brand. And we spend a lot of time working with our clients on being very clear about what that expertise is, articulating it very clearly, very often having symbols or visuals to explain what the brand expertise is, because it's an area that actually goes, I would say, neglected um, for the most part. Brands tend to be very focused on what's the benefit that they provide, and they don't spend enough time talking about um, what makes them tick and why they really are experts in their area. And And I think that that would be an area that would be really important uh, in terms of marketing a law firm or an, you know, an attorney, emphasizing their expertise. And I think the other thing is, if it's an individual, being at all of the places where uh, you know, the, the, the prestigious and you know, well-known uh, places and organizations and you know, journals that attorneys read, connecting yourself to those, to those entities. Um, would be a way to get that brand connectome to spread and branch out more quickly. Great advice. And I think we're going to have to ask you to come back and we can talk more about that and a bunch of other things. So switching gears again, um, one of the things that I've talked with a number of my guests over the past several months, understandably, is the impact of COVID. It's impacted the world. It's impacted us individually, our families, our careers, and our professions. So from your frame of reference, what is your perspective on COVID? And what advice do you have for companies who are grappling with everything that COVID has thrown our way at this time? Sure, absolutely. So obviously, uh, COVID is a you know tremendous tragedy, and um, most of us have been struck by it in some way or knows somebody um, that has been lost, which is, you know, absolutely uh, tragic. But I would say that from a business standpoint, it's actually a time of opportunity. The fact is that this is uh, a time of tremendous volatility. And what we've seen over 25 years of our work 
is that during times of volatility, people create new relationships more than at other times. So I would say, you know, we've seen that whether it's having your first child or getting married or getting divorced or having a health scare, uh, when there is a tremendous volatility in your life, that those are the times when you do create new brand relationships and new relationships of every, of every kind. And so uh, it's an opportunity for a brand that's, I don't know, the number five or the number four player to move up to number two, number two to become number one. But the number one player can also, you know, go down to number two or three. So you kind of have to watch out. But it is, it is a time to create new relationships. And that's really a positive news for people uh, at this time. I absolutely agree with you. And that's something that I think a lot of us, especially when we're in professions where it's all about relationships and connections, I think that COVID, one of the positive aspects to it, and again, a lot of it depends upon you looking at the silver lining to the situation like we discussed earlier, but there is a great opportunity in terms of being able to take a step back and say, you know what, we have to connect in ways that maybe we didn't even explore before. And it brings about a a, a type of connection with people and relationship building that maybe had not been possible before because it was one of those things where it's right in front of you and you don't see it until you have to see it. So, you know, that's great advice. Taking a step back and looking at everything you've accomplished in your life and in your career during the span of the past, you know, we won't get into how many years, but you're a very seasoned veteran and an amazing talent. If you were able to go back in time and talk to your younger self about what your life and professional experience has taught you, what would you tell your younger self at this point? Uh, Oh boy, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I would say just to slow down Uh, and try to spend a little bit more time in the moment. I'm very much somebody who's always looking forward and, you know, moving to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And then uh, suddenly you realize that you weren't paying attention enough to what was right in front of you. So I would say, you know, having had some losses at this point in my life, I lost my father who was terribly, you know, dear to me a few years ago. Uh, just taking taking more time to, you know, smell the roses, I guess, uh, to to use a cliche, um, but it really is it really is true to take take a breath and just appreciate what you have right in front of you. So, what is next for you professionally and personally? You've got an amazing business. I, your your passion and love for what you do is completely obvious. What do you see coming up next for you personally and professionally? So I'm working on a book, which I'm really excited about, um, which is going to lay out a lot of my theories and give very practical steps for how companies can uh, and people can tap into some of these insights. Uh, so I'm working on that. That'll be you know hopefully ready in a few months. And I would say that the the big thing that I'm really working on uh, now is is taking this philosophy that we've used extensively for so many clients and making it more part of the marketing rule book. So if you think about the way that marketers 
run businesses and build brands, they're really using very much a, a rule book that was created, you know, 50 years ago at the time of, of Mad Men. And the rules haven't been updated, but it's really time to throw that rule book out the window because we have brain science and we have all this information. And in particular, Triggers has probably 15 to 20 new rules of marketing that will enable companies to uh, accelerate their businesses and have marketing, marketing initiatives that are much more consistent. So my, my plan in the next few years is really to help companies um, throughout the, you know, the Fortune 500 and smaller companies as well adapt this new rule book of, of marketing. And I, I feel like I'm sort of championing that, that cause. Well, I'm so excited to hear about your book, and we're definitely going to have to have you back on when the book gets released. So keep us posted on that, and uh, we have that to look forward to. So as we wind down our time together today, do you have any final thoughts, and where can our listeners find you? My final thought, I guess, would just simply be that every brand, every business, every person has untapped growth potential. And, uh, you know, everybody should really feel that the sky is the limit um, because it truly is. And where you can find me is at lesliezane.com or triggers.com. I love meeting new people and I would love to, um, you know, hear from any of your listeners if they have any particular questions about brands or marketing. And Christina, thank you so much for having me here today. It was such a pleasure and such a a wonderful, rich conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. So did I. It was a wonderful time. And I really look forward to doing this again soon. And I hope that you and your family stay safe and are well. You too, Christina. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed the second part of our conversation with Leslie Zane and that you will join us next week for part one of our conversation with Jonasen Goldson. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.